0: Welcome to Decoding the Customer, a podcast about customer experience and how to realize customer-centric change in today's dynamic business world. I'm Julia Allfelt, certified customer experience professional, business advisor, and your host as we explore topics, trends, and best practices that are enabling brands to thrive in the age of the customer. Thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If you're a regular listener, thanks and it's great to have you back. This is episode 65, the inaugural episode of 2020 and the first of five weekly episodes for the month of January. Returning listeners will know that the first episode of every month is always an interview episode, something to inspire and spark thinking before we dive deep into the practical how-tos during the mini masterclass episodes later in the month. Today, I'm kicking off the new year and a new decade interviewing Diego Gabathuler, the CEO of Evoclar VivaDent. Evoclar Vivident is one of the world's leading manufacturers of innovative material systems for high-quality dental applications. While the company might not be a household brand name we all immediately recognize, the company's products are ubiquitous in the dental industry and used across the world. Basically, if you've ever been to the dentist, there's a good chance you've used their products. Evoclar Vivident is headquartered in Liechtenstein and has wholly owned subsidiaries in 29 countries, employing about 3,500 people worldwide. Diego, the CEO, is a Swiss native and has been at the helm of IvoClarvi-Vident since July of 2019, though he originally joined the company in 2002 as a member of the global product team. He went on to work for Logitech and several other organizations before rejoining IvoClarvi-Vident as the senior director for Europe West and South near Middle East and Africa in 2016, and then becoming a member of the corporate management team in 2017. Diego's attitude towards customer experience is the attitude that we as CX professionals would like every CEO to have. Diego has made customer experience one of his most important strategic objectives. He's a champion for the customer mandate, and he has encouraged his team to bring the voice of the customer into management decision-making. During our conversation, Diego and I discuss why he's become such an ardent supporter of customer experience, how he's made the case for customer centricity within the business, his perspective on who should own customer experience, and his tips on how CX professionals should speak to senior business leaders if we want to get them on side with the importance of customer experience. If you'd like to know what drives an authentically customer-centric mindset at the highest levels of business leadership, then this episode is for you. CX professionals world over are faced with the same challenge, winning over broad-based executive support. Let's face it, if your CEO doesn't support customer experience, you have a real uphill battle ahead. But what if it didn't have to be that way? There are more and more senior executive leaders out there who are supporting the customer mandate. And Diego Gabathuler is a shining example of this customer-centric leadership mindset. I first met Diego at EvoClair Claire Annual Management Summit. I was invited to speak about customer experience immediately following Diego's opening talk. Listening to Diego speak about customer experience, I was totally floored. While things are changing, it's still relatively rare to hear a CEO emphasize the importance of customer experience with the same enthusiasm and passion as the likes of Jeff Bezos. I wish that I could bottle his attitude and share it with other senior leadership teams. But in absence of that, I think we can still learn from Diego's feedback about why he's taken this on as such an important strategic imperative and what he's done to move the business from strategy to action. A summary of the insights from my conversation with Diego will be available in the show notes for this episode, which are on my website, julia-alfeld.com or decodingthecustomer.com. Diego, thank you so much for taking the time to join me on the podcast today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: When you gave the opening address at Evoclaire Vividence Management Summit earlier this year, I was so impressed with how much you emphasized the importance of customer experience. When did you decide that customer experience was such an important strategic imperative?
1: What catalyzed this for you? Well, I think we live in a time that is quite complex for customers. There is many more opportunities than ever in history. Systems are getting more complex. Technology can be interchanged more and more. A lot of businesses are commoditized. So really, one of the big differentiators is the the brand and the customer experience. And I say brand and customer experience because for me, this is exactly the same. Some people always ask me, what is a brand? To me, a brand is not a logo or a visual or a company claim. The brand in simple terms for me is the sum of all customer experiences.
0: That's great. And something that I think a lot of organizations are realizing that the brand is the sum of all the customer experiences. And also that an organization doesn't really own the brand anymore, that actually the brand kind of becomes the property of the customers. I mean, they're the ones that determine what a brand's reputation is out there in the marketplace. It's not really something that a company
1: can control. Fully agree. And that's why I think above the Customer experience, there needs to be what I call customer centricity in the company. The, as you say, the customers need to be part of the dialogue to craft the perfect customer experience. When Sometimes when I talk to peers and I ask them how they craft the customer experience, and then I ask them, and where is the customer in the dialogue? I don't know, we have the best experts in all the channels and technologies. we know what to do. I don't believe that's possible without the customer being part of the dialogue, without doing field research, observation, but also use big data to really craft the customer experience. It's it's not possible to get to the best possible result.
0: Absolutely. Customers have to be part of that conversation. I think many of the customer experience professionals listening to this now will remember times when people said, oh, let's map the customer journey. And you say, okay, well, let's map the customer journey, but where's the customer data? Oh, no, we know. We can just do it. But it's like, no, you you really have to take the time to integrate the voice of the customer because otherwise you're just sort of building your concepts and strategies in a vacuum.
1: And that's what happens very often, that the customer journeys are crafted. Yeah, we know what the customers want. We know this market extremely well. We know the customer behavior. That's not possible. When we did our customer journey mapping, of course, we have included the customers. And also before we did that, we did a customer segmentation with an analysis of the different needs and behaviors of the customers. And there, I believe it's, as I said before, that big data plays an important role because sometimes asking customers what they want or what they need is not always matching with the way they really behave. So observing the behavior and really look at the big data points, what is actually happening, I have a blend of the three instruments field research observation and big data from my perspective is the best way to approach it.
0: That's really interesting. Can you share an example of where the big data was telling you something different than what the customers were saying? Because I think that's something that I've seen as I've worked with companies too is, you know, you survey customers and they'll say something is important, but then actually based on their spending habits or their customer activity, they're actually doing
1: something very different. I can give you an example and also share my thinking on why that's the case. So, I think when someone is asking us what we are doing, something and why we are doing something, we are always reflecting from the past. The example I want to give you is then we ask customers, where do you find the information on products? And then the answer is in printed catalogs. That's because for 20 years they've been looking through printed catalogs and maybe only for two years they did go online to find information. So, when the question is asked, then this is a natural behavior, and customers think of more of the twenty years they did the one way versus the two years they did the other way. So, our finding was: customers say they get information from printed material, and if we look at our big data, we actually see that it's more online.
0: Great example. I want to get back to something that you said earlier. You were talking about how the marketplace has changed; it's become more complex for companies. How have you seen these changes? Manifest themselves in your market specifically?
1: Well, I think the challenge is that the changes are coming slowly for many years already. So it's not a big bang because everybody would see a big bang coming. But when it's coming in very slowly, the steps, then it's easy to maybe not see or read the signs correctly. So I think this is not a new trend. But many companies are now jumping on this train a bit late. I mean, it's never too late, but I think it's quite late already because there's technologies out in the market that would help to craft a much better individual customer journey already for many years, but many traditional industries are only jumping on this right now as we speak, or maybe for one or two years.
0: Why do you think they've been slow to jump on it?
1: I think it varies from industry to industry, but our industry has been very much technology driven. So, I mean, in the dental business, actually what we do is we make products and solutions for patients and consumers, but most of the industry works through dental professionals. And everything has been very technology-driven. And I think these are two different mindsets. Do I come from the technology side, uh, design something innovative and then find customers for it? Or do I come from the other direction and say, what are actually the needs of the customers and how do I craft a meaningful solution? So I think especially in technology-driven industries, the customer experience has never seen as the primary opportunity or the most important point in the whole marketing mix.
0: And then beyond your industry, so sectors that maybe aren't as technology-driven, although it's kind of hard to think about very many industries these days where technology doesn't play a really important role, do you think that other CEOs similarly acknowledge the importance of customer experience?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. When I talk to peers, this is a big topic right now, although, of course, there's a different understanding of what a customer experience really is, uh, customer experience some people maybe only think of when the customer is calling the customer service for ordering a product, when actually the customer experience is so much broader. The experience is that uh, we have more than 200 touch points that the customer experience can happen with a machine, can happen in a digital touch point, an analog touch point, a personal touch point, and it's really in the customer journey. There's so many touch points, and I think it needs to be a seamless experience across all the touch points. What I feel When I look through a consumer perspective, the most frustrating is if you have a roller coaster in the customer journey. Some touch points are extremely good, others are extremely bad. Actually, I would think that a mediocre experience across the entire journey would be even better than this up and down.
0: I agree because, you know, you have one of those really negative experiences and it can be something quite profound and it can sort of spoil the whole relationship. So rather have vanilla customer experience all the way across than something that, to your point, is this sort of up and down roller coaster that gets stressful.
1: Exactly.
0: (laughs) So... If CEOs are acknowledging that customer experience is really important, that's great. But guiding teams to do this is something different. So rallying teams around those 200 plus touch points, putting the customer at the center of everything they do, that's another. What do you think are the biggest challenges facing CEOs and other leaders who want to realize improved customer experience within their organization?
1: I think like in many other areas, it's the strategy execution, not the strategy If the management believes that just presenting a strategy that says customer-centricity, brand and customer experience is most important, we need to work towards that. Not much is going to happen. What I do is I bring in meetings, very simple examples of good and of bad customer experiences in a very simple example from myself. And I can share a few with you. The other day I was traveling with a train in Austria from Vienna to home. And then one of the trains derailed. Then we had to change the train. We had to hop on a bus. There was a total delay of 12 hours in total. The service personnel, they came up to me and they said, yeah, we're really sorry about the delay. You already checked. You will miss your connection. So you cannot get home. We get you a taxi voucher. We apologize. We give you a voucher for a free meal on your next travel. They were really friendly, explaining everything to me, apologizing. And it was one o'clock at night and I felt okay. I had all the information I needed. There's not much that could be done. I got an apology. I got a voucher for the taxi and then for a meal on my next travel. That's a very good experience, although I had a 12-hour delay. So sometimes it's not really that complicated. With The customers don't expect miracles. All they expect is that we are shown respect, information, and the solution and some friendliness.
0: You know, that's great. And it sounds like if you can use those concepts as guiding principles for your team, then people can continue to reflect on their own personal
1: experiences as well. That's what we did. In a workshop, we invited people and we said, okay, now today we talk about top three customer experience and the three worst experiences we all had in different examples. And after the workshop, people had a much clearer understanding of what it actually means for a customer to have a good or a bad experience. If you just talk through it in a PowerPoint and in a strategy conversation, it's not going to work. It needs to come to life.
0: And how has this helped you move from strategy into action? Because I think that's a great point, that that's the challenge, is how do we move from this concept of, right, we all can rally around the idea that we need to deliver better customer experiences, but actually making it happen.
1: I mean, what what really helped was that last year we decided to have a full-time customer experience manager with the first task to analyze the status quo because i think company is never self realistic about the status quo and the quality delivered because we all have a fraction or we have a few experiences that is crafting our perspective so maybe the last three or four interactions we have seen were all positive and then if we have to rate the entire customer experience we rate it too positive or too negative so we did uh, conduct really a solid analysis without finger pointing, without saying it is good or bad, just saying this is the starting point. This is the ultimate vision. This is where we want to be in a few years. And this is the roadmap to get there. And then put interdisciplinary teams together with as much cognitive diversity as possible to craft the roadmap and to execute it and to course correct, to learn, to execute again. I mean, it sounds very simple, but it's more in the sweating than in the designing part.
0: Most organizations I find that are out there, established organizations, are not set up to solve customer problems. They're set up to solve business problems. And so silos are this sort of kryptonite for customer experience. What you're talking about with building interdisciplinary, cross-functional teams is so important because then you start breaking those things down and you can actually start working together. And it's in that sweat equity that the team puts in to break down those barriers and just start collaborating.
1: agree. And I think what's important is that it's clear to everybody in the process what the role of the customer experience manager is. The role is not to manage all the touch points because we have touch point owners in after-sales service, in education, customer service, accounting, all the departments. It doesn't mean, okay, oh, there's a new person that will solve all my problems and will make all customers happy in the future. This is more a coordinating function, creating transparency, Supporting the touchpoint owners, sharing the vision and just really handhold everybody and support everybody during the development and execution process.
0: It's interesting that you bring up this point of establishing clarity around the role of the customer experience manager. There's a lively ongoing debate in my field of where does customer experience sit within an organization and who should own customer experience? In your opinion, who in the business should own customer experience?
1: It's in my title. CEO for me means customer experience officer. That's great. I don't feel that I have to manage it, but I want to be the ambassador of the customers and really support this and emphasize it at every given point in time that this is one of the highest priorities for our company.
0: So then in your organization, does the customer experience manager report directly to you or is it something that sits within one of the department teams?
1: Well, it's not reporting directly to me because I have more than 20 direct reports already. I have an open dialogue directly and that's also not a problem for the line manager. I mean, we have put it now in in marketing, but I feel responsible and it's cleared with the line manager that I will have a direct dialogue also with the customer experience manager to always understand where we are in the journey, how can I support on the cultural side, because there's so much support needed. Tools need to be approved. Maybe the message needs to be reinforced at one of the management levels. There's so many things I can support the process with very little effort.
0: IvoClaire Vivident is so fortunate to have a leader who is so supportive of customer experience as a critically important mandate and to be supporting the customer experience management function. That's not always the case. And one of the things that I see as I'm interacting with people who are in customer experience management roles and in various organizations is that they have a hard time getting leadership support and buy-in. And you you can just imagine trying to lead the charge with customer centricity or customer centric change in an organization where your CEO isn't bought in. What would you say to those people How could somebody in a customer experience management role, if you weren't already bought into customer experience, how could they help you get on board with it?
1: I have a progressive proposal to make. I think we can only learn through pain and experience in every aspect of our life. So I would really put the CEO through a very bad customer experience, really say, okay, this is the play today. You have a problem with one of your equipments. You're calling the customer service and really play the experience in real life. CEO needs to call the hotline. Nobody's answering. Then someone is answering very unfriendly. Then the reply takes two days. After two days, there is no solution still. And really bring it to life. I think what I described before for the entire organization could also work the other way around. If the CEO or anybody else in the management needs to be convinced, put them through a real customer experience and it will be so painful that I think everybody will understand.
0: Absolutely, I think it's hard to ignore when you experience that pain
1: yourself. If you have a senior management member that has not bought into customer experience and you go in there with a PowerPoint presentation and statistics and say, well, you know, Gartner really says that this is the number two decision-making factor or correlation to the share price of a company. We need to do this, this is important. You can throw 100 arguments in a PowerPoint war. It will not help. It will not work.
0: Okay. No, that's a good piece of feedback. I think there are a lot of people in my industry who I think get hung up on some of the statistics and we need to make the business case first because there's this perception that if you're going to win over the hearts and minds of senior business leaders, that you've got to do so through financial results. So it's interesting for you to say that it's important to bring it to life for them and make them sort of feel that pain.
1: And really, maybe I'm so wired to this already. I'm every day observing my customer experiences to learn. If I do a call a call center, I just recently had an extremely good customer experience. And sometimes it's the little things like we have just changed. When the customer is sending us uh, an email with booking uh, for an education We have started now to send a confirmation email. This sounds like a very little thing to do, but this is essentially, and if I reflect from myself, if I send somewhere a questionnaire or a request or a booking and there is no confirmation, this causes irritation in my brain, then the simple solution is it must be painful for our customers too. So let's do it. And the feedback on very little changes like this one, and I could give you 100 more things that we have changed just in a few weeks that are improving the customer experience enormously. I had a good example for the other day. I had a problem with my mobile phone. I went to the homepage of the mobile provider. The chat opened and someone immediately talked to me and I had a question. The question was answered. Can I do anything else for you? I said, yeah, am I on the best subscription based on my behavior and usage? No, actually, we would propose you another one. Do you want to change? Yes, I want to change everything within three and a half minutes in a chat function. And then I brought this example to the next meeting and I said, look, this for me is a fantastic example. What would have taken two or three days, three years ago, because my provider was not the best one three years ago, they have really changed 180 degrees and crafted a wonderful customer experience through a simple chat function with a real person. My problem was solved and I ended up with a better fitting subscription.
0: That's incredible. Once you start focusing on customer experiences, you can't unsee it. Exactly. Everybody out there in this profession knows, I mean, you can't go out for a dinner out or stay at a hotel or have pretty much any consumer experience without looking at it from the corner of your eye thinking, "Mm, that's interesting. I would do that differently or "Mm, that's interesting. I'm going to take that little piece of learning and apply that to something in my profession. It really just becomes a part of the way that you view the world.
1: Exactly. And also the appreciation for a good customer experience has increased significantly. And mostly also, when I have an excellent customer experience, I'm saying, oh, wow, this was really an outstanding customer experience. And then people are shocked. They say, yeah, we never get that feedback. But as you say, when you're so sensitive to this matter, you have also higher appreciation for excellent experiences, but also the frustration level for bad experiences also Going down significantly. And also, there I'm voicing it as I mean, this is really bad customer service. I'm very sorry to say it, but this is very bad.
0: It's important to give people feedback when you have positive and negative experiences. And I think for us as people who are very attuned to customer experiences, you also have a great appreciation for all the work that goes into delivering that great experience. You know that it's not something that happens by accident. Switching gears, let's talk for a minute about. Customer experience, metrics, and measurement. This is another really hot topic in the industry. One of the things that really struck me from your presentation at the Management Summit was your emphasis on customer experience, metrics, and KPIs, and that you did this in a plural sense. So you mentioned a number of different metrics and measures, which I thought was great, Sometimes what I see and what I know others see is that leaders will latch onto just one number, just customer satisfaction or just net promoter score. And that approach can really do more harm than good. From your perspective, what are the most important customer experience related metrics, measures and KPIs a team should focus on?
1: That's an interesting question because just someone the other day told me that actually the KPIs I'm using are already old school. But right now, we are using the customer effort score, the customer satisfaction, and the net promoter score. But apparently, the development in that field is so rapid that maybe I'm not up to date anymore and I need to reconsider. So if you can recommend me the best article out there with this matter, I would appreciate that. What do you think about the three KPIs we are using? What's your pick on that?
0: So this is a hot topic of debate, and I don't think that there's one perspective out there that is saying that one metric is the right metric. I think that there is an argument to be made for all of these metrics. And I think that most importantly is to use them in conjunction with each other. So if you're looking at all of these things, so if you're looking at customer satisfaction as a measure for satisfaction at different touch points, I think that's the most appropriate application. You can then use net promoter score as kind of a holistic sort of dipstick on affinity towards the brand, and then I think customer effort score is also useful to understand how much effort customers are putting into different experiences. So these are the most commonly used metrics and measures. I think there's still a place for them. I don't know that I'd say that they're old school. I think they've been around for a while. I'd be interested to hear what this other person, what new school metrics somebody was recommending.
1: This was coming from a brand professional that is working in brand strategy. And he really said there's measuring a brand in total would be a better way. But what really struck me also is that because we have the three KPIs and when I was looking at the results, what really struck me is that the correlation between the net promoter score and the customer effort score was actually very low. So we have seen in some customer journeys... We have put the customers through an enormous, painful customer journey, but the net promoter score was still very high. People ask me, what do you think? Why this? I think that's because we have a very strong brand. We have loyal customers. And also one of our brand promises and one aspect of our brand core is that people feel at home and among friends with us. And if you feel at home and among friends, you maybe excuse the one or the other hiccup also.
0: That's true. And one of the things that's interesting about net promoter score is it's kind of a lagging indicator. So if your customer effort score is really poor for a long time, eventually it will probably drag down your net promoter score. But it might take a while for that to happen because, as you say, customers might be putting up with things, but If there are other options that are out there that require less effort, then they might ultimately develop an affinity for those other things. So the thing about Net Promoter Score is it is a bit of a lagging measure.
1: Yeah, that would explain it. I think we are really good in the personal touch points. Like I get is from our customers that we have the most competent and most friendly people in the markets when it comes to personal interactions. And if you really have good personal interactions with a company and a brand And then you have, let's say, a less good interaction with the digital media. I think the personal interaction weighs in much more in the total equation. That might be the other explanation on top of what you said with the lagging factor.
0: Probably. And I would imagine, too, that those personalized touch points are probably connected to more of the important sort of moments of truth within the journey. So times when people are really seeking help or counsel is when they're turning to those in-person touch points. And so they're kind of, in that sense, weighted more heavily in terms of like overall satisfaction, their influence on overall satisfaction.
1: I think so. Also there, I have a recent example of myself being a consumer. I was looking online for help regarding a problem with a computer. And I couldn't find it and I was really mad it didn't work. And then I called the customer service and the customer service was so friendly, helpful and found a solution that I forgot the first part of my journey completely. And the overall satisfaction was very high.
0: That's interesting. So at the end of the day, that personal touch really can override a negative digital experience. I think we've all had those kinds of experiences where a little bit of kindness and warmth can go a long way. So there's no denying that organizations still have some blind spots when it comes to understanding the customer journey. Is there anything that you wish you could understand or measure about your customers' journeys that you're currently not able to measure or
1: understand? Of course, you can measure the journey and the channels you already have, but how can you actually understand what you don't have, but what would be needed? It's easy to ask a question on how do you like this? How was your experience? But it's a little more difficult to ask the customer, what are they missing? That's a much more difficult question than to ask, how was today's call or do you like the solution? Because maybe it's difficult also for the customers on a simple question, what do you miss? To find an immediate answer, an instrument to find that would be extremely helpful.
0: I don't have an answer for that one. (laughs) I mean, if I did, I would be a rich woman. I mean, that's a tough nut to crack. I think probably evaluating customers' needs and then how you can meet those needs. But again, that's not something that you can measure.
1: What I would like to add here is on top of all the KPIs and instruments, nothing replaces personal conversations of the entire organization. I think the CEO, the corporate management, the product managers, everybody needs to be in constant touch with the customers on a regular basis. I think that's the basis of everything. I mean, you can have as many KPIs and instruments if there is no personal conversation from everybody in the organization on a regular basis with customers, there is very little understanding coming out because only the numbers mixed with personal interactions will lead to real insights.
0: I have a colleague who refers to this as the blend of the science and the heart of customer experience, that you must have the science side of it. You have to measure things, but you also have to have the heart side of it. And you've got to constantly blend these two things that you can't just take hard metrics and report on them without the overlay of what does this mean for somebody's life? What does it mean for their
1: experience? Another thing I can share with you is that one of our groups of younger team members, They did a role play and they invited the management and some other functions for a show. And they played a customer experience and a customer journey in our environment, a very fictional play, but it was really eye-opening when you see it in front of you, like in a theater play.
0: That's a great idea.
1: Out of their own initiative. So it was not an assignment. All of a sudden, I got an invite. And there we were there and witnessing this. And at the end I said, I mean, this was the most exciting thing I've seen in weeks that out of their own initiatives, the young team uh, brought this to life together. This was a fantastic idea and even better execution.
0: Oftentimes people will leverage role plays and things like training, but what a great idea to use role play as a way to bring the customer journey to life. I think that's fantastic. So we are nearing the end of our time. Do you have any parting words of wisdom or thoughts for the listeners out there, those who are working in the field of customer experience, some of them in organizations where they've got fantastic leadership who are backing them all the way, and some of them who are pushing the boulder uphill and trying to fight the good fight on their own? What uh, words of wisdom would you have for my listeners?
1: I would not overthink it and work on the vision for too long and maybe craft a plan that is too far out of reach. I think it's easier for an organization to do small little steps and start doing instead of crafting forever and a big vision and then don't get the budget because it's too expensive and nobody understands it. And this is where I really admire the work of our customer experience manager. Just improve the very little things and then present it. I mean, she presented to us. All the improvements that have been done with the help of an interdisciplinary team, aside of their regular work, in just a few weeks, and then when you see the list of improvements, this creates so much pride and energy that you can't stop the train anymore. If you're staying too long in the visionary and in the crafting stage without doing a lot, I think it's a waste of time and it's going to be more difficult.
0: Excellent tip. Well, thank you, Diego, for taking the time to speak with me today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Julia. It was a pleasure.
0: Thank you for listening to my interview with Diego Gabathuler. I hope that our conversation has provided some inspiration on what customer-centric leadership can look like. And the next time you smile in the mirror, you might just think a little differently about all the customer experience work that went into keeping your pearly whites healthy and happy. If you're enjoying the podcast, I invite you to share the program with others or head on over to iTunes to rate the program. This helps others discover the show. I'll be back every Thursday this month with a new CX Mini Masterclass. These episodes are designed to be punchy, bite sized overviews of key customer experience concepts and practical approaches that you can use. So be sure to listen in or subscribe for updates when new shows go live. If you're looking for help realizing customer-centric change in your organization, please don't hesitate to get in touch. My contact details are on my website or you can reach me on LinkedIn and Twitter. My handle is at Julia Allfeld. See you next week.